to preach on and what series we're on and that type of thing. He gave me freedom. He said, Brent, you're off the leash. So I said, great. So, uh, man, I'm off the leash today. And I want you to tell you today, before I start this sermon, is, man, my life's different. My life's been changing. It's not because something that uh, I bought, something I experienced, but it's because I have a loving relationship with my Heavenly Father that's different than any time in my year, or any time in my life. I was challenged at Super Summer by a missionary named Kelly. Kelly was saying, hey, this changed his life. And I roomed with Kelly all week. And I could tell there was something different about Kelly that I wanted. And Kelly flopped down a whole hand-scribed Bible in a notebook by hand, boom, right there on the thing. He says, that's my quiet time. He goes, I'm on my third copy of the Bible. I'm going, you're kidding me. I hate writing. I just hate that. That is no way to do. And you do you have to do it every day. Hey, guys, I find out I want to do it every day. The more and more I read God's love letter to me, the more I handscribe it. I want you to see this. This is front and back. I even did the red letters because, hey, God was speaking that exactly to me. I haven't made it all the way through Matthew, but maybe by December I'm going to be all the way through Matthew. But it's more than just copying. It's saying, hey, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do with what you've given me today in the Scriptures? And guys, it's changed me. It's made me different. I'm here to challenge you to do the same. I know a lot of you do quiet times. I know a lot of them, that's good. Hey, get the ultimate quiet time and just copy God's Word down. And find out what God's saying through His Word and see what that does for you. Okay? I've got these little copies out here on the Welcome Center. They're the Gospel of John. Uh, Kelly told me to start with Matthew and work my way on through the New Testament. So hopefully I can give you accountability to hold me accountable to do that. But it will change your life because these are living words. These are living love letter to me, okay, and to you. But how many times do we just ignore it? Take it, write it. You never can be too young or too old to do this. But you've got to sit there and meditate on it and say, hey, God, what are you speaking to me through your scriptures today? And find out. That's where our sermon came from today. So, wham, wham, we got that done. Okay. That's your video. Uh, the scripture I'm in today starts in Matthew 25. Before we get in there, I got a lot of people that stopped me today already for prayer. And I got a lot of distractions going on. So let's just pause for a minute and let's uh, ask the Lord to have this time, okay? Tell me, Father, man, I'm excited about your word. I'm excited about what you have to say to us today. And tell me, Father, I know that there's people out there that need some prayer. Need to know that you're real in their life, dear my Father. And I just pray that you would show them in a mighty way. And dear my Father, be with our missionaries all around this world. Help them to stand. Help them to be protected in your word. 
And dear my Father, I just pray that, uh, man, Tom Seifel comes to my name. Yeah, he's had that surgery, and I just pray that you just be at the results and the things that are going on with him in Nicaragua, dear my Father. I just pray that you just be with me today as we open your word. Help me to communicate well your word. And dear my Father, I ask your Holy Spirit to show up. Man, your Holy Spirit needs to be here to send conviction where conviction's needed. And dear my Father, may that still small voice be a loud voice today in our hearts and in our minds. And dear my Father, may you uh, get us in a relationship. May you change us to be the kind of people that will be the light that shines in this world. I just thank you for Jesus dying on the cross this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, we're in here in Matthew 25. The ten virgins, and it's a wedding thing going on. But before I do that, I want to start up here in uh, Matthew 24. I want you to listen to this. Matthew 24, it's all red letters in my Bible. It says, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches are, are already becoming tender and putting forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in the those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. So with with that will come the Son of Man and be. There will be two men in the fields, one will be taken and one left. There will be two women, one will be grinding meal, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this. That the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed the house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. When then is a faithful and sensible servant? whom his master has put in charge of his household, to give their food at the proper time. Blessing of that ser blessed is the servant whom the master finds and does not, and, and doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if the evil slave says to his to his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and beginning to beat the fellow slaves and eating and drinking 
and with the drunkards. The master of, the, of that slave will come on that day when he does not expect him at the hour of which he does not know and will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then we get to 25. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took took of in flask along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was was being delayed, they all became drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. At midnight, there was a shout, guys. Behold the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will be not enough for us and you too. Go, go instead and desire and buy some for yourself. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert, then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I took and read that today in my own words because that's impacted my life. It should impact your life. In Matthew 24, he says, Hey, look, this fig tree is producing these tender leaves. Summertime's coming. Hey, guys, all through the book of Matthew, he's preparing us for his coming back. And he's coming back for us. A lot of times we get discouraged and say, well, he's not here yet. Hey, he does mention that his word will outlast heaven and earth. Wow, what truth. What truth is that? It's indestructible. It can change your life if we just instill his words in our life. Okay? What he's trying to do is get us ready. And the way God gets us ready is he talks to us. You might think I'm crazy, a youth pastor. Yes, I have to be. But I hear the Lord talk to me. Yes, he does. I've had other people say, yeah, he's talked to me too. Well, how does he do that? Does he do it in an audible voice like he did with Moses? No, he doesn't. It's when you spend time in his word, he can bounce things back to you from his word to apply to your life that will change you that will make you different he says his word is living wow it is living 
Because the more I put in here, the more I am able to shine out that he's living in my life. That's the reason I'm wearing my Jesus. No other name can you get to heaven in than Jesus. You'll be surprised. This is my second shirt. I went to the Big Daddy Weave concert with the youth yesterday. I couldn't believe it. I went to Big Daddy's table, and he had my shirt up there. And I'm going, man, you don't know how many times I wore that shirt. And my wife gets mad at me because it looks so ratty now. And so I said, I'm going to buy me that shirt again because every time I put that on, I go to Walmart, I go down to the hardware store, I go out in the public, I get people's reaction because they read Jesus on there. Sometimes it's not always a good reaction to Jesus. It surprises me. But, hey, I am able to minister to those people that will talk to me and tell them about what Jesus is doing in my life and why he's the Savior of this world. So it's an awesome opportunity. Know that the day we live in, guys, is getting closer and closer to his return. Okay? Just last Sunday, they had a big church shooting. This world's going berserk. It's filled with hate. It's filled with all this type of stuff. But he's called us to be an instrument of love. Yesterday at the concert, I think I need to take time out and do this. He had us hold up our hands. All right, hold up your hands, folks. These are hands that can be used for good. Will you use them for good? Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hey, this mouth, point to your mouth. This mouth has the power to say good things or bad things. Which will it be? These ears have a tendency to hear good or bad. Which will it be? These eyes. Guys, these eyes see a lot of things. Will they see good or will they see bad? God's given us the power to do good. We need to do good. We don't always need to excuse and go along with the crowd. I work with young people all the time where everybody else is doing it. That doesn't fly. God's called you to walk differently. That's where this sermon's going today. We're going to walk differently. So he says, be aware of the time that we live in, guys. The time is evil. The time is coming when he's at the door ready to come back. And he says, this word will outlast heaven and earth. And then he goes on and he says, this thing about Noah. You know how long it took Noah to build his ark? More than just one day, right? Man, it took a long time to build that ark. But God gave him directions. God gave him instructions. Were there a lot of boats at that time? No. How's this thing going to float on dry land, God? Why in the world am I sealing it with pitch? But he did everything according to God's word, God's instruction. And guys, when he got it done, God sealed it. He shut the door. And he pronounced judgment on this world. Those people on the outside didn't realize what was happening until the rain started and the water started coming up. Then they realized, hey, Noah's a very smart man. He listened to God. I want that. Guys, it's too late. The door was shut. Judgment was pronounced. Jackie does an awesome job playing judge, man, in our judgment house. But man, that is so scary when you stand before a judge and get to answer your life for what decisions you made. 
and how you're living it. That's going to be a terrible day sometime. But it will be a great day if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? And we need to do our best to make sure people know that. And this thing was also saying that nobody knows the day or hour, only God himself. Not even the Son, but God knows the day and hour, which is coming. He's given us every opportunity to make a change, make a, make a difference in our life. Here it is. He says, therefore, be alert. Do not know the day or the hour, but he's coming. Okay? And then he says, if a thief was coming to your house today, would you guys make arrangements? Better believe I would, you know what I mean? I'd be prepared. You need to be prepared. And he says, hey, he's put some of us in charge. He's putting some of us in charge of proclaiming his word. All of us have an opportunity to proclaim him amongst the people we know. But we need to be prudent. We need to be a servant that's doing what he wants us to do with his kingdom. Okay? He says, the evil servant listened to evil things and went on to party. Okay? He says, man, my God's not coming back for a while. I can do anything I want. I can live any way I want. I can do anything I want. It's his stuff, but I am in charge. Hey, that's not what God intends. At that day and hour, he says he's going to come back, find him, cut him into pieces, and he's going to send him where the hypocrites are, where they'll be weeping and gnashing their teeth. Best I understand that is there's a place. It's called hell. It's not a pleasant place to go to. Then he gives this little illustration of this parable, the ten virgins. There were ten of them, guys. I don't know exactly why there's ten. I didn't get that in my study. But there was five wise and five foolish. They all dressed alike. They were all pure, white, best I can say, from a wedding, okay? They were white. They had one thing in common, or another thing in common. They had a lamp. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he says, we are the light of the world. He says he's the light of the world. Amen? There you get the parallel of what he's saying in Matthew. He's saying we're the light. For such dark times as this, we need to shine. Okay? And that's the same thing at this wedding ceremony. These bridegrooms, or these bridesmaids, we're going to shine the way for the groom. It's kind of like a party. They had a big uh, caravan to go over to the groom's place he prepared for them, okay? We know in John, where's Jesus at right now? He has gone to prepare a place for us. He's going to take his bride back with him. One day he's going to come and get us, okay? There's your parallel. These five and five, Five are foolish, five are prudent. That means wise, okay? The wise ones took preparation. They took oil. Why do you need oil for your lamp? Keep it burning. Very good. Guys, in my study, God was kind of helping me understand what oil was good for. You know, when Jesus was baptized, he went under the water. He was start of his spirit all right he's buried rose again what happened when he came out of that water the holy spirit come upon him in the shadow of a dove and he heard this voice saying hey this is my son who i'm well pleased 
When we make that same decision, guys, God's Holy Spirit comes in us. He seals us. Okay? I always say this when I baptize somebody, buried with Jesus in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. You are a new creature. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, you are transformed. You're not the same. This Holy Spirit is what guides us, guys. It's what gives us uh, our instructions. Okay? I can't do all these good works, okay? It's beyond me. But His Spirit inside of me allows me to do good works. All right? If you want to check that out, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Okay? It's not for me to boast in my works. It's about me to boast in Him. And to tell my story is to boast of Him. Because I know it's Him that saved me. And that's Jesus Christ, okay? Awesome. Get a picture of that. As my lamp shines, I need oil in my lamp. And that oil is the Holy Spirit. Okay? That oil produces the light in my life. How many times do you see in Scripture where they sprinkle somebody with oil? Hey, when they did that, that was the breath of the Holy Spirit they put in. All right? Oil is the Holy Spirit. It provides that light to shine, okay? It gives you that shineability, okay? So we need to make sure that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's the reason it's something that isn't to be feared in the Baptist church. You mentioned the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's big. The Holy Spirit's what gives us our power to live this Christian life. He said we can't do it on our own works. And guys, as a guy that wrote a lot of Matthew in the last couple of days, I mean, this has taken me three months, the Pharisees were all about their works. All about the religious look. Guys, I can't help to say that this thing wasn't written for the church. These lamps. In Revelation, it says these lampstands are representing the church. Guys, I think we lull people to sleep in being good at church. And that's your act of service. Amen or anybody? Hey, you could be lulled to sleep thinking, hey, I'm going to heaven because I go to church every Sunday. Hey, I'm going to heaven. I go to Sunday school class. I even ask questions. Put it that way. Man, one more better. I even bring my Bible. I keep it in cars so I don't forget. I'm really good, okay? Hey, I don't think that's the kind of religious thing that God's talking about. He's wanting a relationship. If you notice this, it's a wedding feast. How much does God teach us about our own relationship through a wedding? Through husband and wife. Wow. God does. Do me one favor. Turn to Ephesians 5. This is Paul. He finally figured it out. Ephesians 5. This is a good scripture. You hear it all the time. But this is relating to our relationship with the Lord. 5. 22 and following it says wives that would actually be me because i am the bride okay so i'm putting myself in here he says wives 
Be submissive to your husbands. Wow, who's my husband? Ask Jesus when he comes back to me, man. He's coming to take me with him, okay? As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the, of the wife, as, the, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wife ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her and having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Did you get that? Washing of the water with the word. The word is what makes us pure. It helps us live a Christian life. As I take in God's word, it instructs me to do different things. It instructs me how to live my life. So I'm becoming clean as it instructs me how to live my life. It's not really my life, it's his life I'm living, okay? Because it's all about him. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does for the church. Mm. In this thing of the ten virgins, man, it's a wedding feast. In this thing with me, I need to be subject to God. I need to be subject to Jesus. This isn't my life. I can do anything with it I want. I want to please him. I want to be subject to him. Why? We sang about it today. He loves me so much. I want to do what he wants me to do because he loves me so much. Wow. Do you realize how much you're loved by him? The Bible says he gave the lamb, the perfect lamb of God, his only begotten son, to die in my place, to die in your place. I don't know if you know it, but silver and gold won't buy that. There's no amount of silver or gold that would cause that to happen. But there is a love that will cause that to happen because you are God's masterpiece. You are one of a kind. And God wanted to have a relationship with you. Not a religion, a relationship with you. Because he loves you. And he thinks you're valuable. Wow. For me to even say those words, I have to believe something about me that I'm valuable. Sometimes I need to say that more and more. I'm God's. Can you say that? I'm God's. When you say that verbally and it comes out, it kind of hits you. Wow. I'm not the world's. 
I'm not anybody else's person. I'm God's masterpiece. That changes the way I think. That makes me want to love him more. That makes me want to do this Christian thing, this life. Tell others what I found because I'm his. So these five foolish and five wise, the wise had the oil, everybody had the lamp. What happens to the lamp when it runs out of oil? It goes out. Hey guys, you can always go buy more oil, can't you? Do you ever run out of the Holy Spirit? No, he's always there. Once you accepted Jim as your Lord and Savior, it says in the Bible that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But you need to allow this surrender to go on that allows him to come through. Because he speaks to us in a still, quiet voice. Guys, I don't know if you know it, but that voice that we kind of drowned out when we want to do what we want to do instead of listening to what God wants us to do, that's the Holy Spirit talking to each one of us. But sometimes I'm so concerned with the busyness of the world, the busyness of my life, I don't listen to that still, small voice. I don't take time to get washed in his word and find out how important I am to him. But he's made a masterpiece in each one of us. And he spared no expense at saying, hey, how valuable you are. Because his blood, every time we sing that, his blood only comes from one source, and that's through Jesus. All right? So as you see in this scripture, these ladies were ready. What happens? The bridegroom delays. Guys, I don't know why Jesus hasn't come back yet. To me, I was listening to the radio. Man, God gets me. But they were trying to explain partial birth abortion. Man, just to know that somebody kills a young-born baby makes me sick. It made me where I had to turn the radio off because God's working on my heart. I know that's a precious young life. God does that, guys. He can tenderize your heart. He can make you understand why he thinks these lost people are so valuable if you'll just give him the time. Because they are other masterpieces that he wants to redeem. And we need to take the time to make sure they know God's word, okay? And these guys fell asleep. That's only human. Guys, I'm not perfect. I have a quiet time. I spend time in God's word. I'm married to Tracy. Tracy can tell you I'm not perfect. Far from it. Sometimes on my worst day, I'm really bad, okay? But, man, I know I have a Savior. And I know He knows me personally. And I know I'm not junk. What the world wants to tell me, I'm not listening. Because I am His and he is mine, and that's the only two that count. In a marriage relationship, if your partner thinks that you're lovable, okay, man, that means a lot. When Tracy says she loves me, that makes me happy. 
When I tell her I love her, I hopefully that makes her happy. I can't answer for her, but man, to know that God loves me, I'm thrilled to death. You need to be thrilled to death that you are his masterpiece. The other thing is, we see in this scripture, he says, now the foolish and prudent, there was a cry at midnight, poof, he's here, be ready. All these lamps have been burning all this time, and finally he's here, and these lamps are going out. The five of them said, hey, I'm going to cut the wick. The other ones cut the wick. They found out they didn't have enough oil. The other ones filled their lamps up with oil. And the other ones asked, can I borrow some oil? Can I have some oil? They ain't going to borrow it, you know. But each one of us is responsible for oil. Each one of us is responsible to have a relationship with the Lord, to know what he's about. How are you going to do that? By reading God's word. Having that relationship. A relationship is not good unless you're communicating it. Okay? I'm bad at it. Most guys are. We don't always get communication skills 101. But we're getting better. But man, God says, hey, work at this. Know that I can talk to you. Know that you have this relationship. Okay? That's through the Holy Spirit. These other five are said, no, you can't have any oil, go. Buy some more. Here it is, guys. This oil being the Holy Spirit, and they were told to get out of here. They ain't got it. Their lamps went out. So they had to go do something. So they went to go see if they get more oil. The way I read my Bible is I'm thinking that's the religious people. All right? That's the ones that think they got it going on when they ain't got it going on. They might be able to produce a light every now and then in their own effort, but they don't have the Holy Spirit to back it up. He says be cautious in the end times because there will be false prophets come. Guys, the Holy Spirit's not false. But there will be the people that think they know. I'm on public radio, but I'm not going to go here. But, uh, man, a lot of times Christians... We miss opportunities. We miss opportunities to do the right thing. In James, it talks about knowing if somebody's in need, knowing how to meet that need. It isn't just saying, hey, be warm and filled and go. It's saying, hey, take the time, supply the need. He also says that in Matthew. He says at the end times, there'll be those people Right before that, he says there, there is the fruit. If you give yourself a test, what kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit does an apple tree produce? Apples. The proof's in the fruit, right? It can't be no oak tree producing an apple. It's got to be proof in the fruit. If you want to know if the Holy Spirit's producing something in you, you need to look at the fruit you're producing. And he says at the end of that, There'll be those that come to me at the end time and says, hey, Jesus, let me in. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. You might know a lot about Jesus. You might know a lot about this how to play church. You might know a lot about the rules, the Ten Commandments. You might say, hey, I can keep every one of them. But there's one thing you're missing, the compassion inside of you that changes you. The Holy Spirit that does the work. 
Paul says it's impossible to have faith without works. You're going to produce some fruit, folks. If this word is living in you, you're going to produce some works. You're going to produce fruit. You're going to be able to know that you're a Christian by the fruit that you produce. And yes, it doesn't happen easily. It takes a great deal of surrender. That's the reason those white flags were celebrating Veterans Day. But man, I need to raise the white flag and say, God, I'm totally surrendered to you because I can't live this life in my own power. I need you. And our flag doesn't need to be the national flag. It needs to be the white flag of surrender. As children of God, we need to surrender everything we have to his glory. And he needs to come in and do the work through us. Amen? You understand that? Because this is impossible to do. There's only one man that was perfect and we nailed him to the cross. You can't get there on your own. You're going to have to rely on him. And that's what he's saying to these people. It's got to be your decision. You can't borrow somebody else's salvation. You can't say, hey, my dad's a Christian, therefore I get in. Or here's my favorite, I'm an American. I'm a Jesus follower. That ain't going to get it. Just because I'm American doesn't make me a Jesus follower. This thing might be founded on Christian principles, but unless I accept it and surrender, that's the only way it happens. Okay? So no... If you're one that has the oil. Parents, I'm talking from the heart. My kids aren't perfect. I work with kids a lot. Kids are great. But there comes a time in each kid's life when you need to let them make a decision. Have the consequences that fall with it. Guys, How good are you at helping your kids find Jesus through the decisions that they make? Or you say, hey, you're just a kid. You can't make that kind of decision. I'm taking that thing right out of your hands. I'm blocking what the Holy Spirit wants to do through a young person. My Bible says a kid has a childlike faith. Sometimes a child understands better than me how to live this Christian life. Because I'm all filled with all this wisdom of the world. Hey guys, this wisdom of the world is going to pass away. The only thing that's going to last is what's in the scriptures right here. Okay? Get your priorities right. Here's my pet peeve. I'm being honest with you guys. You might not like me after this sermon or whatever. We take a great deal of pride in teaching our kids how to be popular, how to hit a baseball, how to be a basketball star, how to uh, be a cheerleader, okay? Great deal of pride in that. Be a great volleyball player. But do we take the time to show them what makes us great in God's eyes? I know God gives kids talent like that, and that's great if they can use it for that. But it's more than just about them. It's about him. Amen? And there is a difference. There is a difference. 
So if your kid's blessed with those kind of things, make sure you teach them about him and not so much about the others. That's the reason I love All-Star. Both my kids have given their life to Christ through the All-Star program. And it's about teaching Jesus' principles, about spending time in his word, allowing them to memorize his word. I can't claim it. Tracy can't claim it. It's not of our good works. It's just by us following Jesus and doing what comes natural that it's done that, okay? It's about putting that kind of priority in our life that we're following Jesus. That's the reason we're doing it. And guys, when you sign up for a mission trip, I'm telling the kids to ask this year for a passport. Parents, you give them a lot of great gifts, but the best gift you can give your kid is a passport. Let them go see another part of this world. Let them go experience some other kids in some other countries. Let them go be a missionary because they can do it if you'll let them. But that's the best, best money you could spend, Give them a passport. Helping them find out, hey, God's got this great big world out there that needs to know about Jesus. A lot of hurting people out there. But it can change your life if you'll just let them by surrendering and saying, hey, I'm willing to go, God, anywhere you want to send me. I'm willing to be your light. Help me to be your light. And allow them to see what light shines in them. Okay? That's the big thing. It can't be, I can help, but it's got to be their decision that they want to be the light. Okay? They have to make that personal. The other thing is, the door shut. The ones that were ready got to go in to the wedding feast. The other ones were shut outside because they weren't ready. They thought they were, but they didn't have what they needed the most. And that was the Holy Spirit, the oil in their lamps. And they were shut outside. And they banged on the door. I can't help it. I would too. I'd bang on the door. When you're in judgment, you're going, Hey, God, but I was good. I was a mom. I was a dad of three. I got to be good. That's not going to get you in. It's too late. They went to go buy oil, and it was too late. Guys, he says in Matthew 7, depart from me. I never knew you. Wow. I can teach you a lot of things about Jesus, but until you apply it to your life, you won't really know him. And he won't know you. And I love that song, Big Daddy Sings. To tell of my story is to tell of him. Guys, the only reason my life matters anything is because I got Jesus Christ living in me. And yeah, people make fun of that. And people don't understand that. I'm fine with that. But at least they're seeing the difference. And I've plugged Mardi Gras. Man, my biggest thing in Mardi Gras is we spend those three or four days telling people about Jesus. And believe me, they hear a lot about Jesus. We're not down there to hate on them. We're down there to love them. No greater love. But we'll tell them in lovingness, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? And a lot of times, this last time we went, we didn't see our tracks scattered on the ground like usual. Because that just really burns my heart. 
But there's a lot of people that put them in their pockets this year. Hopefully when they got home, they understood what that track was telling them. It was telling them about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But the last thing we do at Monte Gras, after we spend those three or four days telling people about Jesus, we do a silent march. Three or four hundred guys. Arm on the other guy. Your arm around this guy, and we're marching down through the belly of the beast. What I mean, that's Bourbon Street at night. Oh, man. If you'd never done that. And the guy in front gets to carry the cross. And you get to change times when you carry the cross. But he tells me that you need to pick up your cross daily and follow him. Sometimes that's a heavy burden to carry. Because you know what all these people are aiming at? is the cross. They throw beer. They throw beads. They do it all. But guys, I know another guy that carried a crown of thorns, was spit upon, mocked, abused, because of me he did that because he loved me so much and for me to get a glimpse of just what he went through for my sins changes me I'm not perfect but yet I'm a child of God I am his creation I am his masterpiece And he loves me. No matter what this world says, he loves me. And I want to live for him because he died for me. It changes you. It really does. Church, this thing scared the bejeebies out of me when God says, hey, you need to teach this. God, you've got other people. Dwayne can do this later. Guys, this is written for us. Don't be lulled to sleep thinking you've got Jesus going on because you're sitting in this pew. The only thing that makes you a Jesus follower, not because you walked an aisle, not because you were baptized, that doesn't make it. You've got to know that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's the one that saves you. The other things are all outward appearance of what you've got going on on the inside. It's your first step. It's your first time to nail it in, okay? It's the first time to proclaim him to everybody. But you have got to invite him in to your heart. And he's not going to come running into your heart. You're going to have to ask him. The Holy Spirit's going to have to prompt you. Know that you're a sinner and you need saving. Know that you can't get there on your own. It's a bad feeling to be shut out. I can only imagine those people in Noah's day as that ark was floating off and that water was coming up above their head. What a bad feeling. Because they thought, hey, it's never rained before. Why do we need a boat? But they weren't listening to God's warning. God's warning us today, be ready. Know that you have oil in your lamp. So guys, this invitation is personal.
Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I was going to put something underneath your seats today, but I didn't get it done because I was running behind. I was going to put at least 50 pieces of paper out there and have them underneath your seat, and you guys would reach under there and say, hey, yeah, I got my paper. Well, good, you're facing judgment today. Are you ready? And I was going to try to get that thing done like that. Are you ready to stand before the judge? Is there enough evidence to convict that you're a Christian? It's not, you can't say I've been baptized. You can't say I've been good enough. I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. It's the only thing that's going to get you in. And I'm different because I know him. And I got fruit to prove it. Stand this morning. Dear my fathers, this invitation's offered. Man, don't let me stand in the way. Don't let us stand in the way. This is one of the most important decisions we can make with our life. I pray that you would cause those ones that know you as their Lord and Savior to walk closer. I pray that you would cause those ones that don't know you as their Lord and Savior to say, hey, I need to do something. I need to trust you. May they find out. I'll be around. Man, just do it before it's too late.